Yeah, welcome to another episode of Educating While Black. And this episode, to be quite honest with you, was one of the pilot episodes that I recorded many, many moons ago when I was in London. Um, and the person that's on it today, Cleon, is a person I worked with in a school in London before moving to Canada. However, we tried to record this open air and we got much more open air than we got voices on the track. So it's been a while uh, to kind of come back together and record this a second time around. But I think it's going to be a good one because in the interim, the podcast for what it was when I did it initially um, as a pilot with Cleon has changed a lot. Um, also, Cleon has a wealth of experience that he had to begin with in the first place. But I think in the last couple of years as well, there's an additional layer of things that can be spoken about too. So in some ways, things happen when they're supposed to. So I'm glad that this episode is coming out now. Um, so to give a bit of a background to Cleon in terms of how I know him, um, Cleon was head of behaviour in the school uh, that I worked in. And it was great to see Cleon in that particular role, to be quite honest with you. It was a very, very Black school. Um, it was a school where I think it took a lot of brain power. And this is one of the reasons why I'm like, I'm glad that Cleon's on this particular episode as a Black man as well. There's a way that you are playing a simultaneous role of keeping up the sort of behavioural boundaries or whatever this kind of school says that the behaviour should be, whilst in real time sort of managing... I guess how the implementation of that behavior policy would look. So you're kind of trying to be really human about it, trying to understand what else is going on for the students. In some respects, you probably see um, more of the students' humanity for the fact that you're oftentimes seeing them um, through the behavior lens. And um, that might be the case with some of the other subjects. In that same department, um, head of behaviors and middle management role, there were quite a few of us as black leaders um, in the middle management. So that was really cool to see as well. So head of maths, head of languages, myself, head of humanities. Um, we had a great time, I would say, in the school at that particular period. Um, the kids were, it was the first cohort of kids that were coming through the school. And um, Cleon did a lot of getting them to who they are now. And some of them have gone off to go and do some amazing, amazing things. And yeah, they managed to do that largely in part because, as said, making sure that the policy of the behavior the, the behavior policy sorry didn't um just get enacted willy-nilly by those who couldn't see the kid behind the policy that they were trying to get them to um uphold so outside of that cleon has done a number of different things before working in school cleon told me that he worked for the police service which is interesting i also did something similar when i left school um different department but i think that's part of the reason why uh, cleon is really good at the job that he does again seeing people understanding what the needs are since leaving uh, where we both worked together he actually went to into primary education um, which is really really cool um, and again black man in primary education is something that is not very well uh, represented or often seen. And so to kind of go into that space is something that is really revolutionary in that respect. And most recently has gone into education with fostering um, attached to it too. So I don't want to mess up <laughs> Cleon's introduction more than I probably have already. So I'm gonna pass over to Cleon to add in any of the uh, parts that I may have missed in uh, my introduction of him. So, hey Cleon, how are you doing? Hey Marlon, it's true what people say. You are great at doing the intros. <laughs> doing the um, introductions and just gassing people up. It's great. I was there thinking, yep, yeah, true, yep, yeah, true, yep, yeah, true. <laughs> Thank you much. But no, like you said, um, I was one of the originals on this podcast and then I'm glad, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's happening, I'm glad it's happening. Um, so yeah, you're accurate. You're absolutely accurate in terms of what you said about kind of my, most of my CV. 
<laughs> and, and kind of um, credentials and so on. And um, and yeah, um, we it was really cool. Like like you said, when uh, we were working at that school in in um, in Hackney, which is a place that I was born and bred in, so I knew the area really well. And to have the opportunity to work within that area, I never even considered until I kind of stumbled upon the role in this, you know, this big, fantastic school opening. And I remember when I was um, looking to, me and my mum were looking to find a secondary school for me to go to as a as a student. You know, there were there were just the, the schools are horrific. I think by any standards, Hackney schools back in the kind of eighties uh, up to nineties and whatever were just horrendous. And I remember um, I was in uh, going to quite a nice primary school, one that like my my aunt and uncle had gone to, aunts and uncles had gone to, so it's kind of like almost a family tradition, to go to a certain primary school that I went to in Hackney, and that was great experience. And then going to visit um, Hackney Down School, doesn't even, it's not even open anymore, it was that bad. But I remember going there and, you know, kids screaming, shouting, carrying on bad, just doing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, is this the opportunity that's before me kind of thing. But um but yeah, so it's great to um, be able to actually work and kind of the, the cliche give back uh, in, in a school. And it was great to have the middle leaders that we had at the time. Uh, I, I often fondly remember um, so many kind of positive experiences and, and, and times at that school, particularly with the middle leadership team. We were strong. Mm-hmm. We, were kind of like, we were like a fearless group. And, and yeah, and I think the kids knew it. And I think, I think the students really understood it and, and they gravitated to a lot of us. So. That, that was really positive, I must say. It was, I agree with you. It's, uh, I think, and I forgot to even mention the, the pastoral side of the, of the middle leadership team as well, which again, everyone was a racialized person, um, Jamaican, Cameroonian. We were very yeah. well represented. And I think like one of the things that was pretty decent is that we, kind of what I was saying about the way in which you um, did your role, we knew what the rules were that we had to uphold, but we also knew who the kids were that we had to work with them. And I think we one of the things that was successful to a great extent was that we were left alone. Like there were some people who were busybodied up in senior leadership about <laughs> numbers of whatever else, Ooh. you know, like how many people you suspended this week? I don't think you like calling home, blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah. um, we were allowed to just get on with what we what we wanted to do. I do want to talk about that because as, as mentioned in the introduction, like the, the yeah. school that we worked in was like one vignette of like your career overall. And in thinking about all of the places that you found yourself, I wonder how your identity is in being black and being a man, how that's kind of informed the roles that you've taken on. Like the ones that you're doing at the moment are so exciting um, to me anyway. And I just feel like there's an obvious when you mentioned that you're going into it, it's just like, well, that's yeah, that's an obvious thing to do, but it would never have occurred to me to even have put those two things together to say that actually there's a need for um, for what you're doing. So I'm just wondering how you've come to think your way through the career choices that you've had so far and how your Blackness um, primarily, and maybe being mm-hmm. a man as well, has informed any of those decisions. I think... Um... It was probably working at that school where, where I worked at, where we worked at together, which was kind of, I think that was the almost like turning point, if you like. That was the, that's where I kind of, I think over that period of time I was there, I realised that I got a lot of satisfa- satisfaction and hopefully gave a lot back to being an educator. And and that's 
And that was the first kind of frontline role I had done. I had, yes, spent some time um, as a school governor. So I was kind of on the peripheral of a primary school, kind of supporting from kind of most, mostly from the outside. So I kind of had a bit of a feel of schools from that sense, but nothing like what I kind of uh, experienced, if you like, and, and had to obviously do and undertake at the secondary school. So I think once I was working there, I then, yeah, as I say, realised that education and being an educator was the area. And then I think as time progressed, it was almost the case of I might wear different hats. So, you know, like you said in the intro, I spent some time as a primary school teacher. So teaching was kind of still still educating, but then the kind of forum or the, the prison was teaching. And then now it's the kind of more the consultancy work and the, and the, and the advocacy work for the, for the fostering agency. So I've I've never I think from the time I started working in kind of retail and so on I've never really been one to stay in a role for forever and ever I'll try and develop try and get what I can from it and and bring what I can to it and then I kind of pretty much know when it's time to move on or or to to do what I need to do next and and I've just continued on that vein so you know I know now as I say the area is definitely education and a lot of what I do centers around that um, but yeah, where I find myself next, it could be here, it could be there, it could be anywhere, kind of thing, you know. And I'm and I'm, and I'm fine with that. And has that has that been informed by any? I mean, you mentioned, for example, that like your um, aunt and uncles all went to the same primary school. This like seems to be like a very collective unit in terms of your understanding around the need for education to be a thing that has a good association so you even mentioned that you know looking at the secondary school options was like this is not so great but then kind of coming back into education it sounds like or and it seems like also from what you've been doing is planting better environmental seeds than perhaps the ones that you experienced on the way up and so I just wonder if if being black and seeing the opportunities as a kid for yourself versus the black kids that we've experienced and the ones that are still yet to come through if that's had a sort of influence in some of the decisions of the jobs that you've taken or maybe if not the jobs the stuff you've done in the job that you've taken on um probably more the latter probably more the stuff like you just said in the job that I've then taken on and I've not always necessarily kind of I guess front and center looked at my blackness and and kind of compared it or or maybe analyzed it in terms of the role that I was doing in most jobs, in, in most in most parts of where my career's taken me. But when I think the time when I was thinking about uh, working at the Met Police, that's when 100%, you know, my blackness, what the police stood for over the years at the time when I was applying was kind of like, I remember just having so many thoughts around, should I, should I even apply for this role? You know, what will it be like? Will, you know, will I be a target? Will you know, what will happen? Because, you know, like I said, hear stories and, and things happen and, and whatnot. And, um, but at the same time, I really, at the time, I really wanted to get into human resources. And I've, I'd applied for so many different roles. I wanted to come out of retail. And I thought to myself, I want to now work in HR. Got, I thought I had an idea of what HR was. That's one particular HR. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then um, went into that role and it wasn't, maybe the the actual job title itself and what I was doing aside it wasn't kind of the HR I expected it to be around kind of the you know checking in on people and and the kind of the the more supportive side of HR 
and, and that kind of strategic side. It was more just the administrative and, and the everyday. So that didn't really kind of appeal to me for too long. But what was great about that organisation is that at the time there was actually a lot of opportunities to progress, which I did quite quickly, and, um, and to learn quite a lot because I ended up um, managing volunteers, which was a really interesting role. And then um, being a trainer, which which then led to the work in the secondary school. So there's a lot of skills, a lot of development, so much development and so many positives that I never even thought would be possible when I was first applying. Because I, I just had the, you know, the history of the Met and what it kind of stood for, what it seemed to stand for in its kind of in its in my mindset. So that was it, yeah, that was an interesting time. So I feel like that brings us nicely into the, the second part of it then, which is around some of the formative experiences or lessons that you've learned from. Um, again, with a lens of like, you as Cleon is one thing, and then Ooh. perhaps thinking about looking back on that same circumstance, like replaying it back in your mind with the sort of experience that you have now versus what happened then, or perhaps just even like, as, as said in the sort of intro aspects of it, being both black and a man, like would this have, if, to your knowledge, may this have mm. happened to you if this was, if you were uh, in a different body to the one that you're in, or just some of the experiences or sort of, um, uh, what's the word, opportunities that perhaps came your way. And just wondering like, do any of them stick in your mind as like, this was a learning moment. I, I took something from this about how to do this again somewhere else or never to do this somewhere else or, I'm going to leave a lesson for the organization on my way out because you need to know something. <laughs> um, I think certainly with um, the time I spent, it's four years I spent as a primary school teacher. Um, this is in quite leafy Greenwich um, in South London um, and still quite a mixed school in terms of ethnicity, in terms of socioeconomic, but quite, you know, more, more leafier and probably a bit greener, a bit nicer than probably what, how Hackney is perceived, arguably, I'd say. So yeah, so um, worked there for four years, and like a lot of typical school uh, primary schools in this country, not as many male teachers. Um, certainly not very many black teachers. And I've, as I said, spent quite a long time um, governing schools, a few schools over the years, and interacting with different schools and and educators. And and yeah, they're still, you know, much much underrepresented. But um, but I had I had amazing experiences in the primary school. I must admit from from the from the children's point of view, which to me is kind of most important, and I try and really keep front and center. You know, they I think it was just to use the word novelty will probably under underplay it, but they just loved the fact that I mean, you know, you know me in terms of personality and what I'm like. So you just get to just have fun all day. You just get to then intermingle it with obviously the learning and the other experiences. And I think because I think what what had, what had carried me in good stead with having the pastoral the mentoring side and the behavior from obviously the secondary school it was great to be able to have one class for the whole year you could develop you could nurture you could right. support and i remember when i was talking to a lot of secondary colleagues they're like oh, you know i can't believe you're going into primary and you know we had so many conversations that year that sort of yeah. the last few months i was leaving and they're like you know how could you sort of have one class for the whole year to do my head in and i prefer having several classes i see them once at one, one hour a week etc and I was kind of like, you know, I was just thinking, do you know what? It's going to keep it open right now. I may not like it. It may be an absolute disaster. But do you know what? There's something about teaching. There's something about what I've seen you guys do in the school that makes me think, do you know what? There's an opportunity to do it at this phase. And let me see where it takes me. So, um, 
so yeah i'm really glad that i did amazing experiences it's, it's so interesting like uh, we i've had uh someone else on the pod has worked in uh with younger folk um in in mm-hmm. school settings and it's funny similar kind of sentiment like it's fun both your personalities are ones that i can definitely see it lended itself well to when kids are even more malleable and more just like taken in the world and it's like okay so you are who you say you are and you do the things that you say you do cool i'm gonna roll with that there's no sort of like um suspicion of like but you say one thing and you do something else and they just they just take it in and take it on board and i think that that's a really it's a great place for black men to be it's like working with younger kids because they can just see themselves in in, in you and being anything right and so um i do wonder i mean secondary i'm not even gonna lie like um I probably kind of call myself out here a little bit. Like I probably was one of those ones that's like I couldn't deal with these kids like all day every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot of either or. There's a lot of either ors, right? Um, and and I I had a sense that I was probably an all rounder. I didn't know it. But I just I just had the sense that I was. And and um and when I'd obviously spent some of those years in primary, I still thought to myself, I still miss secondary a lot. Sure. And I did think to myself, you know what? I don't think hand on heart, I could really be a secondary school teacher. Just in terms of the sense of what, you know, you just don't have the time to do some of the stuff you you could do at prime, you know, (laughs) you've got time to, you know, maybe an hour of form time, that'd be about it. Outside of that, it's subject related, it's assessments, it's all the other stuff you got to do. And I'm kind of like, not me. I totally agree with you. I'm thinking about another teacher that, that's been on the pod as well, who is in a school where now she's like in charge of the primary early years phase of it, yeah. where her domain was definitely older. And like, that's where she thought that she flourished. She thought that she was like, yeah, these older exactly, kids are what yeah. I'm doing. And now um, teaching like, especially languages as well to the younger kids. And there's like mm. a sort of... Um, flowering of like okay this is this is also cool I could do this too and um I do yeah. I do agree with you that I feel like there's a binary either or mentality around um you're either this or you're this and do you have yeah. the patience for this or this and actually kids are kids are kids right they're only six weeks older than what they were in primary school when they rock up in year seven they're yeah only absolutely six weeks older yeah. than you know than they were in in a level when they rock up at university so they're, they're still on this journey of like settling in and so it's funny because I do sometimes feel like primary school kids are a bit more independent on leaving yeah. primary school than the sort of like we make them infants again in year seven when that's a good point to be fair that like, is a good point I, I think so I think I think yeah yeah, yeah you're right I'm sure you're there's right. no year six kid that's like can I turn the page I'm sure no year six kid <laughs> asking their teacher I've run out of space on this one can I turn the page but in year seven it's like, well, what, what do you want to do? What, what are your options? If you don't turn the page, what's what's going to happen? <laughs> Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Um, you mentioned um, development of whole child, right? So character, and that, and sometimes in secondary, um, mm. you're balancing content of subject versus you're supposed to have this sort of overview or oversight of like how is this kid developing across the board as a form tutor or whatever the situation might be. And I think, yeah, if I get that for some teachers, perhaps bandwidth might mean that I'm a really good math teacher, but don't yes. ask me nothing about like these kids developing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the subject and that's it. That's what I know, right? And yeah. I think some of these things kind of came up where 
to me, if I'm thinking about some of the things that I've learned from yourself as well, um, is how even in form class, even in terms of some of the relationships that we'd have with the kids, like there were some kids that didn't take to me. I wasn't upset by that. There were other kids that didn't take to another teacher. That was fine. It was what it was. But I think what I always saw in you doing it, some of the other behavior team um, and mentors doing it, there was a time where like the team was strong. There was a time where the team was so strong and it was very black in that team. I feel like for the majority of kids, black kids and non-black kids too, there's a way that they could see a version of a family member or wider community in every yeah. single one of you. So even if they didn't take to an individual, we'd still would all know what was going on for them because they would let someone know. And then yeah. that someone would let someone else know. And so we were kind of like still be on alert for the things that might be happening. And I think that that really allowed us to tailor um, our sort of not just subject teaching, but also yeah. the, these are the things that are going on for you at the time. And I, I don't think I've seen that in any of the other schools that I've worked in. I don't think I see that a lot of schools taking that on board as being something that we also are in charge of, not in charge of, but we're also responsible for, which is yeah. the character development, the sort of personal development, the, that side of, of kids growing older. I, th- I, think that's, I think you're absolutely right. And mm-hmm. And I remember there were times when I would try and have to fight to have that time to do that because, you know, the the title that we had was behaviour mentor, but mm-hmm. a lot of the times it would just be behaviour. And, 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 you know, they'll try and maybe make our timetable just speak behaviour and all the input that we had. But, I, you know, but my, my mindset and kind of what I kind of looked into and, and researched was that it wasn't just about trying to just manage the behaviour or just trying to nip things in the bud, or, or just mm. trying to, um, you know, clip off the weed rather than uprooting. You have to kind of spend time. And I'd always say that, you know, if, if a child's going to be mentored, this is not some quick fix. You know, send them in for an hour of mentoring and, and bring them back to our mass lesson fix. You know, some people would really have that mindset. Yeah. And you'd have to tell them it's, it's like a slow-burning candle. It takes time. Yeah, You've got to exactly. build a relationship. There's some things that, you know, there's that you got to unpack and, you know, this is not going to take five minutes. In fact, we may not even know how long it's going to take because it's, it's deep. It might even outlast us, right? It might even be that, like, what our role in this space is to do is to prevent them from being permanently excluded. And that's the best that we're going to get, right? Because we're just, we're preventing the push out that's going to happen for the student if we weren't here, which unfortunately, truth be told, I feel like that happened with a number of students after you and I left, like, three of my formed kids never made it. And they were like one year shy, one year shy of making wow. it all the way through school. Way, and yeah. um, they didn't make it. And that that made me sad because it was just like, I tried my hardest to keep them in school and you know, take bullets where I needed to. Yes, and... You definitely went over and above. You went, and that's one of the things that I really respected about you is that you went over and above. As, as you know, if, it, if you're talking about like by the book or by your job description or whatever, you know, by rights, you've obviously got a level of responsibility as a form tutor. You've obviously got another as a head of department, but you kind of, you definitely went over and beyond that. And I remember many a time and with certain tricky kind of students, you know, they, they knew that they had you on their side. You wouldn't necessarily, or you definitely wouldn't just back them if they've done wrong, but at the same time, you would help them understand. You'll take that time out to explain things. And, 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 and a lot of the other teachers weren't doing that. Mm. You know, I think he secretly wanted to be on the behaviour team, if, if, if I'm being honest. But that, that was okay as well. <laughs> you gave me the Tuesday slot in uh, the reflection room. 
and it was oh, first yeah, period and it was last period and at the beginning I was like oh this is going to be great like yeah I get to kind of see like what the behavior team does and then I realized yeah. actually the shift that you gave me you stitched me up right in so far as there would be times when a kid would do something on the Friday forget all about it right mm. and then come back in on the Monday and it's like you owe us time for whatever it is that you did but then there'd be all of these sort of bank holiday Mondays and so you've had the Friday the kids <laughs> on the things like you know they've had a three day off they come into school it's like new trim new clothes new yeah, whatever else. it's like yeah reflection room so then I'm just coming with this wall of kids being like, I don't even know why I'm here why am I here what's going on it's like, let's sit down let's figure out like why you're here but you know that and then seeing them again period six where it's just like oh there's more of you there were two of you this morning there's like eight of you now like what's going on but um no I I I learned a lot being in that room a lot and I it gave me more exposure to sometimes parents than I would have had just being academically minded it gave me more understanding of kids um and their needs because again sometimes it was just like in the reflection room, I found that some of the kids would be asking questions of me about how to learn the subject, how to do the subject better. I'm not a subject specialist, but I also wonder if some of it was to do with either. There are fewer people in this room and I don't mind coming across unintelligent in this space for who else is with me in this room. So I don't have yeah. the same level of, um, if I get it wrong and I've got a person who's always top 10 in the merit in the merit table, and I'm asking a question about, I don't get this, or I don't comprehend this, there's going to be a perhaps a sort of, why don't you get this? Such and such gets this. Why don't you get this yeah, attitude? Yeah. Um, you're not in a set anymore, but you're just amongst peers where you're just able to ask this, this question. And I also feel like the other thing that um, that leads into that is also our, our temperament as the behavior team in that moment, because you had a lot of strong characters in terms of their ability to, to follow procedure, but I do feel like at the same time, all of us gave them time. So it's a case of, all right, what do you want to know? Come to the front desk, come sit down. Let me give you a bit more of this sort of like one-to-one tutoring, mentoring or whatever situation yeah. might be. But I feel like this leads into something that you said before. And I want to pull your attention to it because you actually just hit the nail on the head. And perhaps, yeah, it, it, it's just sticking with me where you said that one of the things that you did not um, get out of the HR job initially was that there's two versions of HR, one that is like policies and, you know, just the the, the, the written form of HR, and then the other one is like the developmental mm-hmm. side. Um, and I feel exactly that this is the same thing that we're talking about here, that where your role was behavior mentors as written as supposedly being this thing of development, but in the end, in practice, the way in which it was set up to be enacted was this thing, which is the sort of, procedural side of HR so again I can already see that in your head like you're seeing that this is what I want to do with these kids um but the way in which it's been set up the hours that we've been given the resources that we've been given the personnel all those kind of things means that we're always going to fall short on being able to do more than collect the kids at the end of the class or whatever the situation (laughs) might be so there was a lot of collections a lot of collections a lot lot of of collections I think one of the things that I want to sort of saying when I was thinking about the podcast is around when when you're talking about blackness is one of the things I remember probably because that I was what what we call the founding father someone <laughs> put that term out there one of the founding fathers of the school uh which I which I wasn't really at the age I was at the time proud to hear that you know I'm not I'm not a father in that sense thank you very much but you know I'll, in, I'll embrace it now 
So whatever. So anyway, there from the, I'm there. I'm there from the jump, and of course, um, we started off quite small, as a lot of new academies do. Um, just year seven, so we had a small cohort of staff, and then I kind of was had the privilege of recruiting and growing the team. But one of the things I noticed after probably two, three years in, is that, um, and you know, I, I hopefully did it on merit and and did it, you know, fairly in terms of who I recruited. But at the same time there was that kind of stereotype, that kind of notion of the behavior team mm. is a team of, you know, black men and women who, you know, go to them and they will deal with the behavior or they'll come into my class and they'll, you know, deal with it or take the child out or deal with the the, the um, angry parent and that kind of stuff. And, and I had a problem with that for, I remember when, a few years in and I thought to myself, I actually want, in the next few years I'm gonna be here and what I hopefully wanna leave as a legacy is is a team that doesn't just look like me but looks like the different students we've got in the school which isn't just which isn't just black um so i, I really made a conscious effort myself and, and and my um my colleagues who we um, did recruitment with to to um to recruit different types of people you know people with different types of background not necessarily had been in a school previously didn't look like us, maybe had a different way of seeing things, maybe weren't as strong a behavior, but yeah. we could mold them, we could yeah. develop them, we yeah. could kind of shape them in that sense. And um, and I think we we got a better, hopefully, and a different kind of end product Agreed. to that. And where some people shone in some areas on behavior, and that's great because obviously that's a big part of your role. Other people shone on, you know, peer mentoring and yeah. restorative justice and some of the yeah. things that I hope were, were uh, gave a better kind of side and a and a, and a more um, I guess a more rounded kind of side to what the school was offering and what the school could do and support um, our students with and I think it was important to kind of to have that shift um, and I think in terms of internally and the way the team kind of worked and the team's outlook and attitude I think it changed positively mm -hmm. when we were more diverse mm -hmm. so that's that really is something I was really proud of at the time and, and and being able to launch out and take that step i think i think important. that like well first of all yeah like in terms of being proud absolutely like definitely celebrate yourself on that and like outside looking in everything that you just said is exactly what i saw in terms of how that team was mm -hmm. i think a couple of things that kind of that comes to mind on it is that um you know when they talk about you can't have a a band of singers if everybody wants to play lead right it just right. can't yeah. work it's yeah. just like noise basically <laughs> and I feel like what everyone did um well in that team is that for the most part I can't think of many if any people who didn't know what their strength was and how to use that strength not only in the moment but also to fold it back into what the team needed so kind of what I was saying around um if a person if if it's the case of that I'm not the best person to uh, divulge information to from a kid but someone mm -hmm. else is they kind of know that like are you okay with me telling such and such yes okay go and tell such. like I don't mind if other people know because they it's they know that the whole team is there to protect them as kids they know that the whole team is there to support them but I feel like everyone knew who was the kind of kid that they would be more receptive uh, the kid would be more receptive to them and they would actually have more inroads with the kid doesn't mean that they didn't do some of the the harder parts of the role from time to time right yeah. and I'm not yeah. a projector I can't project I hate shouting um mm. and there were some people in the team as well that also didn't project but they didn't have to project 
Because they should just like, if we're going to play the game of, we're going to just do a staring competition where I've asked you to do something <laughs> and you're going to stare me out, I'll just stare you back. Like, it's fine. And they just didn't say anything. They didn't have to project anything. And in the end, they could have like, all right, all right, all right, let's go, let's go. So I feel like <laughs> your, your ability to see that um, and, and do that and kind of recruit for that. I'm thinking about some of the Turkish women um, some of the East Asian women that are in the team. There were like a whole range of different people that that people could find themselves within the team. The black women that were in the team as well. It wasn't just yeah. black men, like you know, playing this this role. Um, and I I think what also helped in that role in that respect too is that because it was so black everywhere else in school, or at least mm. it was black representation everywhere else in school. It, I don't think it had that much of an impact in our school to believe that the behavior team was the sort of the home of all the black staff in the school it could actually just allow people to be how they were and who they were and whatever else whereas i fully do agree that in some schools yeah like we just want you to be the black person that yells at the kids because we don't want to and yeah it's something that really was a difference for me in the school to see such a range of different folk in that position it didn't mm -hmm. feel like it was um just black men and black men of one size and black men of one volume and black men of, it didn't feel like that at all um you had everyone up in there this role being so front-facing and parent-facing sometimes things get trialed out <laughs> in the mm. behavior team you probably have a number then of stories or reflections um around near misses or cock-ups and why i say that is because you know a school will write up a policy in isolation of the community that it's serving I'm thinking about a school in London where a head teacher recently resigned because of like a policy. Yeah, I saw that one. Yes, right. Yeah. So, you know, and so if I'm thinking about what the behavior team in that school would have been up against, it would have been enforcing a policy that they probably didn't have any hand in writing, don't have any hand mm -hmm. in, in giving feedback about like, is this workable or is this not? And so they are the sort of, they're testing out how far we can move the line on whatever the latest iteration of the of the policy is in the school and they're probably taking bullets from all sides because kids are not trying to like hear that parents are up in arms about that teachers say that they're not feeling supported by that and then you've got the team morale within that situation it's like where do you go so i'm just wondering if there's any um from yourself reflections on near misses so things that almost went left um or when it did go left what did you learn from that situation and how did you rebuild either yourself the team or move forward from that moment in time i think um a definite a definite you probably put it in a cock-up department really <laughs> is around uh hair policy and i guess maybe not even policy maybe it was actually the way it was interpreted and enforced and and it was very dogmatic um to the point of you know kid a white kid might grow his hair out have his hair you know you know we're talking about you know exactly i'm gonna let you take it away I'm yeah because he because <laughs> he wants to make a point of saying you know his hair is out whatever whatever and he's doing it in his quiet refined whatever way versus black kid who's also got an afro and he's got his hair the way it grows out of his head and he's doing what he's doing um he's come to school which is great he's on time which is great he wants to learn which is great but then he gets to the gate and he's told you know, you shouldn't have this, you shouldn't have that. And then it goes back to what you're saying about reflection room time. Maybe he's that he's that child who's got the fresh trim from the three-day bank holiday weekend and feeling good about himself, comes in on Tuesday morning, 
he's got to go to Mr. Evan Sinclair now. <laughs> thanks, 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 Marlon. Thanks, school. Thanks, policy. Thanks, all the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? And and then versus white kid who just goes unchallenged. Yeah, goes unchallenged, goes unchallenged, until you know some um, some staff members get savvy to all this kind of stuff and start calling it out. Rightly so, because um, it kind of detracts from a lot of things. And and as I've spent uh, the years have kind of gone by, and I've obviously left the school and gone into other things. I do still keep um, sort of look at different schools' policies, and I kind of have to do it in the current role I'm in anyway. When I kind of challenge and push back on some stuff with the looked after children, and um, and the same, I don't know who wrote this original kind of template and put it in stone, but it's still out there, and it's still something that they try and push back on and and and, um, and enforce, and um, and it's it's just unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's it's very prejudicial. It's it's out and out racist, and it just I think it just it just goes so far from what the whole point is of a child coming in to be educated in a school um and sometimes they're you know they're going against the odds maybe they're going against as far as family members have got in school or their kind of commitment to learning and to engage in in the education system and they you don't know what baggage they've come in with to really find themselves in that building or at that gate and and then they're kind of been told you're not accepted or this is not acceptable and you've got to find yourself isolation this that and the other and and i, and I remember I remember on a few different occasions, certain kids would be called out who weren't quote unquote naughty. They didn't, they weren't on any reports. You know, their name will never be called for a detention. They just got on with it. They just got on with it. They were pleasant, wonderful children, mistakenly or, or, or maybe foolishly got a line in their head or grew their hair out or did whatever. And then from that point forward, reflection room, their names being called, they're on the list blah, 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 has happened. And some of them, their behaviour kind of dipped because I, I, I would imagine they probably thought to themselves, why am I trying to strive for student of the week and getting merits and getting this and getting that? And then the one time, you know, I do the other or, or I might want to express myself or whatever, you know, you're making the, a big song and dance about it. And um, and yeah, so so I think in a sense, the, the kind of hair policy and the enforcement of it was quite a cock up. And, um, and I think the school did have to push, did have to kind of, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, step things down a bit. I think as a result of, of, of a lot of that, because um, because yeah, it was it was it was more than unacceptable. I thank you for saying that because that is that is the one that sometimes in my own head for me kind of gets me um, thinking about so many ways to take this. Is I think we're in a rock and a hard place. Um, mm. Just to be blunt, I feel like as black teachers and black people, black adults in that space, I feel like we're in a rock and a hard place because. On one hand, we're being asked collectively to uphold this policy. And I remember like, you know, one of the things that we were told as teachers in that place is you challenge everyone on everything. You don't let a kid walk past you with their tie undone or their shirt undone. Like you have to challenge everything. And so there's a bit of surveillance on you as to, well, if if you're the fourth person now Mm -hmm. that this kid has seen in the day, how comes one, two, and three didn't challenge them that they got to number four? And then you would have this conversation around, so did you notice that their hair was, or did you notice that they had a line? And sometimes those conversations were just like, well, I noticed it, but I, in the toss up between did it matter versus whatever, yes. I'm making exactly. a, a decision that it didn't matter as much as the other things that might've been going on. And so that would lead to awkward conversations. And I feel like we were kind of coerced to get into line and be on surveillance for certain yeah. things that um, 
if we weren't on surveillance for it, we would be on surveillance for not <laughs> being on surveillance for it, right? Yeah, that's accurate. Which is one of the effed up things around like being black in some of these spaces means that we're selling out and knowingly selling out, but we like is is how do we, you know? Um, I think the other thing that kind of comes to mind too with this situation with the hair policy, um, I was actually doing a, a training session on this very recently around anti-black racism, and I was talking about how policies can be written in a way, again, the fact that there are few to no like we're thinking of doing this policy can we get a consensus of the staff as to like what might be the things that we're missing what's beyond our peripheral vision like, 100%. Yeah. what are some of the things that happen and that never happens i feel like there's a bunch of people that that feel that they are the best place people to know um yeah. what these things are and so when you're looking at it like you may have written a policy in a universal way but because it's so universal, its applicability is so subjective that yeah. actually what were you trying to write a policy for? The other one that comes to mind is defiance, right? And the sort of... Uh, you open up a Pandora's box now with that word. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's go here, right? Because it's like the two hour for kissing tea first, the 20 minute for tutting. And it's mm. like, they're both the same thing. And you as a non-Black person, you, you cannot tell me that kissing teeth equals F you. How are you going to tell me from my own culture where that's what we do, what the thing means when it's not your culture, you don't know what the culture actually is of this thing, but oh, you're going to tell me true. that my, um, my witnessing, seeing, doing this thing as a kid all the way upwards, where you stub your toe, you kiss your teeth. The bus is late, you kiss your teeth. Like whatever situation <laughs> happens, you kiss your teeth. It's the same as tutting. It's like, it's a sort of reaction that just basically says I'm frustrated or irritated by whatever the situation might be you then can separate that out and say, well, was this um, directed at me for saying... Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, like, that's that's the conversation that you can have, right? Because <laughs> then it's the thing of, so you're challenging me, right? So I've asked you to put your book down or your pen down or whatever else, and you've kissed your teeth. Now, th this is what I mean about discernment from teachers. Like, I don't... When the policy is written and teachers are lazy and not reflective, I think... Mm. You know, if a kid tuts at me or kisses their teeth, we can also put your pen down and you're writing this one great paragraph or whatever else. It's like, yeah, no, it's frustrating, but your pen still needs to go down. So you've got choices here. Put it down or get the sanction. It's like, we're not playing this game. But I'm not going to be so hard pressed that a kid has made a noise that I've now internalized as being a, a full-blown threat to my authority in the classroom as a teacher, that I now need to write that up and say, defiant, two hours, da -da 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 -da, blah, 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 which is what I think a lot of teachers, some teachers, not a lot, but some teachers would do in that moment where they had a policy behind them to back them. Yeah, 100%. Would just make use of that. Yeah. So I guess my point still is, is like, yeah, we, I don't think all of the policies were written from a perspective of in your body as the people that, you know, that this will be enacted against, I guess, in, in, the, in the setting. Mm. And I think the final thing that you said, which is so, so, so important, um, is how young, otherwise academic Black kids in particular can just be turned off of school the system and internalize the narrative of um, everyone's out to get us. When I was minding my business and I caught astray from doing something that, like, that's not even, I, I wasn't even aggressively doing anything and I'm now catching a stray bullet. So, exactly as you said, like, you know, maybe they got a line in their hair, but I'm still an A student. Mm -hmm. 
like I'm still like top merit whatever situation of the week and I put a line in my head because my uncle got one or my dad has one or in the yeah. head, they just said oh do you know like it looks good how do you want to get the girls next week and it's like whatever the case may be you're, you're 14 right yeah. like you're just the age that you are you do exactly. something and exactly. we kind of I'm making the the link to how America sometimes does the three strikes rule so you almost like you're just being fast-tracked to a a punishment that is disproportionate to the thing that you've done especially when you take in track record and character and whatever else there is just the thing of like look grow this out when you grow it out don't do it again um, yeah but we're not going to sanction you and make you miss learning have to catch up on your own time all these different things for a line in your head like Absolutely. I just feel like it was an overblown policy and then the final thing I do talk about sometimes is like again with black hair just how uh, I think it's the New York State has had to bring mm. in the crown bill um, as a actual legislative piece of policy that says that you cannot suspend students um, from school based on the way in which their hair grows. Such is the way that our hair is so policed and politicized that you had to like, you know, we have to get enshrined in law <laughs> that yeah. you can't be penalized for the way in which your natural hair grows, which bringing it full circle back to that first kid that we talked about that you talked about sorry his hair grew in a way and it was never sanctioned absolutely absolutely true so yeah it's a it's, it's a toughie i think it's a toughie and i feel like we were set up we're always set up like to kind of play out a policy not be invited to to talk about how the policy works but then also having then now this this weird thing with the kids where it's like you know that I know, that you know, that I know that this is <laughs> That's right, yeah. It definitely knew. It, yeah, it definitely did. But yeah, um, it, it was always interesting to go from that kind of environment to a primary school that was just quite free and, you know, just like an everyday school. And um, when, you know, I remember the first, probably the first, maybe even the, up to the first year, when I kind of see some of the primary school children that says, well, you know, talking in the corridors. And, uh, and I was kind of like, you know, it's getting a bit jittery because <laughs> the conditioning was there for me <laughs> of having to address such things. And, um, and you know, one sock was black and the other sock was white and <laughs> on the feet. Just, yeah, just something like that. And you can't, I just think about it. You get wiser and I guess you get more, you know, you get a bit smarter when you get older. True. You just think some of it was just nonsense. I mean, come on. Come on. If you got your trouser leg down and no one can see your socks, does it actually matter? Who cares? <laughs> one Who cares? iota, I, I would I would now argue strongly it doesn't. Just let it be. Let it be. <laughs> uh, this is I thought again, I feel like we had the best time of it, like time period mm. of knowing that some of these things are just BS and we would still do what was asked of us, but I do feel like there was enough of us also to look left and look right, to, to go to the pub after school, to have space to just be like, wow, oh, that was some foolishness, or that was like a rough <laughs> day, or that was like whatever the situation was. And I feel like strength in numbers from yeah. the team, like from the racialized team, because we weren't all black, but being able That's to right. say, this is something that we're being tasked with doing and we're uncomfortable to do. It, it really gave us a bit of a voice and a bit of a platform to say things that I think is harder if you're one or two in a space where everyone around you 
who you answer to in particular doesn't look like you and doesn't care to hear your perspective or your point of view and stuff one of the other things that i remember is uh mm. birthdays do you remember b days birthdays no check. you have to tell me a bit more that was you you used to put it in our calendars bag check by always used to be b day Birthday. Oh, okay, you're right. Got you. I got you. I was like, what's he talking about? I didn't but know this is what we were talking about. So the kids like, who's that? Is it? Yeah. Oh wow. But but even but even even when it came to bag checks, I would make a point because it's usually I I I led on it. I would be there talking about um, setting it up rather and being there leading on it as well as well as SLT or or like um, one of the deputy mentor uh, lead mentors as well. And I would make a point of just making sure that we were balanced with who we whose bags we were searching. And I'm going to put that out there because it's not just a case of thinking, oh, because this this child is X or behaves that way, or or five, you know, two terms ago brought in X Y Z, they'll bring in something else. If we're saying no phones in the school, then potentially every, every child can have a phone. So that so that's yep. so, so that's universal number yep. one. Any other child could bring in something they shouldn't for whatever reason. Do you know what I mean? So, so yeah, I'd always make a point of, of and and I'd make sure the students knew that as well, that we were trying to do our best to be fair yeah. and to be across the board when we yeah. when we searched, not just um, that the black students or the black boys or whatever, and and to do that. And uh, and yeah, I, I hope that the students respected that because um, because yeah, I think it's important. And the reason why I bring it up, like, is because it's exactly that. Like, I think there's there's a lot of things that you did that clearly are so implicit that perhaps it doesn't register to you that you did it in with that in mind that like part mm. of me is leading you to the garden path because that was <laughs> one of the things that I was distinctly remember that we were given like opportunities to just stop any kid and one of the things that I mm. would always look at was um shifty eyes <laughs> there, <laughs> there were some kids that I just knew would just be like oh crap like I've bought in <laughs> One in my form class in particular who would raid Tesco before coming to school. And it's like, why are you doing this every time? Um, but I also would check out for the other kids who almost would expect to not be on radar. So would even mm. walk too confidently into yes. the school building or would kind of be like, oh, okay, like, let me try and like, I don't know, develop a persona that kind of doesn't alert attention to. It's like, no, no, I've, I've caught you, hothead, come, come over. <laughs> so I think what I'm getting at is this is an example of a policy being written, but actually being done with a more fair, equitable understanding of, look, people, like, as a team, here's who yeah. we know. And I guess this is when we talk about sus laws or cardings as it is in Toronto at the moment. Like when people decide mm. that I'm on, I'm stopping with suspicion of whatever, whatever, whatever. We know that there's a particular group of people who constantly ask that people are more suspicious of than others. But I think yes, yes. what you're saying as well, all of you are under suspicion. And so I don't know if we ever collected data on like who we stopped or anything like that, but I would say that there wasn't, it was a black school. So the, the numbers of black kids that would be stopped would be higher than not because it was a predominantly black school. But I don't think it was without the same number of like, or proportionally at least white kids or non-black kids also being asked and questioned. I think the other thing that would be of interest to look at though, and this is why I'm saying it's a great school to study uh, for like kind of equity and stuff, if they were to look at doing it now, whoever's mm. there, would be parental fallout post bag check. Because there were some parents who would be there okay, at yeah. 3 p.m. talking about, I want my child's phone back. I want it back. Yeah. Now. 
I'm going to burn down the whole school and then I'm going to tell the, the newspaper I'm going to do this and I want it back right now and it'd be interesting which parents knew how to play the system or the game mm. they need their phone because they're a, a this that they're a carer or whatever and it's like is it yeah it's not yeah, yeah yeah I don't know as a carer like they care for who that doesn't matter that's our personal information you don't need to know that you just need so it's just it was interesting to see the sort of mind games that some parents yes. felt yeah. comfortable playing and then there'll be other parents who just resign themselves to the fact of like I guess that's your phone gone until like whatever the situation is thank you for for bringing it up because it's so great a place to explore exactly yeah for us we always were having to play dual mentality or dual consciousness of this is what I'm being asked to do, but this is what I know I need to kind of be a bit more malleable about. So thank you for bringing I, I that I think the, the, there's, a, there's another cock-up I can, I can think of that, um, yeah, it was a big one at the time. Um, it didn't directly affect me, but it affected two of um, uh, the mentors that worked within my team. And that was uh, when a certain member of staff, white lady, used the N-word. And... Um, yeah, that was that was a big one that reverberated across the whole school mm-hmm. um, at the time. I'm sure you remember it as well. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, yeah, so it's kind of it was it was a I wasn't there at the time, but it was a comment that was made, and apparently it was um, kind of meant in kind of you know because the two guys say it to each other, and I'm kind of around at the time, so I'll kind of say it and maybe see if it lands. It was maybe the warped kind of thinking at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when it actually obviously came out in the wash, as it were, people knew about it. It was a case of, okay, so what, what's going to happen about it now? Who's going to deal with it? Is it going to be dealt with, et cetera? And, um, and to be honest, I was, I was disappointed with how it was dealt with. Yeah, I think we all were. Yeah, it was, um, it was just a shame. Because I think if there was a time to show, because, you know, strong leaders in the school, strong leader of the school, yeah. Uh, so there was just strength on every side you know yeah. we would I think at times when we needed to be a strong school or to not back down to um, you know the whims of random whims of parents or mm. of the local authority or whatever we would stand up strong and would back it because we were we were a good school we had strong people in the school but I think where when there was that opportunity to show that within and with staff members and to show that support it was a case of yeah those those two gentlemen being lent on to say, did you really hear that? Is it really what was going on? And let's pull up other things that aren't related to this particular incident to perhaps, if you really want to go down this route, here are some other things that we can also do the other end. I think like, Mm. yeah, thanks for bringing that one up too. Because you know what? I feel like if there ever was an example of non-racist versus anti-racist, it would be that. Because what I'm kind of... Yes. What I remember is a lot of that leadership team, as like you're saying, were very proudly loud externally in particular about how they didn't have, they didn't do racism. They weren't, they were inclusive. They were, mm. they went beyond tolerant. They, they were like, you know, they were all of these things and yeah. in the best interests of and blah, 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 blah. And I think at this moment in time, was one of those ones where I know that the school policy around, um, and this is not just in this school, this is, I think this is a lot of professional spaces and I, I'm air quoting professional because in essence it's like white majority spaces of professionalism 
will mm. say that like if you have an issue with the person you're supposed to have it out with them first and if you can't come to yeah. an agreement then you raise it up and blah 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 blah, blah. cool but I think there are some conversations like this one where I don't want to spend too much time trying to convince you that the thing that you said or did to me has a huge impact on me because mm. it did, right? Like you're already now trying to perhaps ask me to prove or disprove the level of, of harm or hurt or whatever the case might be that your actions had on me. So then you bring it to like an, an independent adjudicator, if you like. Yeah, And yeah. the statistic that, um, again, I, I brought up, this is after like last year's um, flashpoint, particularly around race. Uh, there's a study that came out from the UK around HR and it was like something like 13%, it was maybe 13 or 18% of white HR professionals to about 80 something percent of black HR professionals believe that there's a race problem in the workplace. So even that number alone, right, you've got white folk less than a fifth, like, who don't believe that there's a racial issue at work. So if mm. I come to you, perhaps as these two people, to say, this happened, and you're already from the perspective of, well, we don't have racism because we're not racist here, then yeah. you're starting from already like a back foot that's having to prove that there's racism in everything. So of course it'd be here too. So can we now get to the point of doing something about it versus an anti-racist dance would be, huh, okay. Fairness in this moment is not equal. Fairness in this moment is equity, right? So mm. for the two of you who have probably heard this word in other spaces by people that don't look like you, in violence, in a lot of like, whatever the case might be, that loading of that word by someone who is not in your friendship group, does not share the same identity as you. I don't care if one of your parents is white, like this is not one of your parents or your family members or whatever the situation might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The impact on that to you is, it must be heavier than the person who's unloaded that word from their mouth in the first place. So already we're having to start thinking about what does repair look like from the perspective of fairness for both parties and fairness for both parties doesn't equal kumbaya around the table. And yeah, yeah, why don't you true. listen to, to this person's perspective as to what they meant when they said the word that they said? And then, you know, we never said that word. I said a different word that sounds like the word that you meant because I'm an English wordsmith. So I know that there's <laughs> yeah, words that have yeah. like um, homophone words and like there's words that, that kind of sound similar, but they're different things. And so why are we doing all of that? Meanwhile, no one's caring for... And how are you feeling in having to even go through this after being called that thing sure. in such a public forum? And I feel like it's just a, it's a classic case of saying that you're not racist means that you're trying to, you, you don't have to do anything. You've exonerated yourself from having to find a suitable outcome that may not please both parties, because that's what you're trying to do. If I'm not yeah. racist, I'm, I'm impartial. That's a terrible thing to say. Don't ever say that again you know, thoughts and prayers. Sorry that you had to go through that. That's his. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. Wow. Yeah. Whereas if you're anti-racist, there's accurate, like accurate. a different... So it just kind of comes to mind as you're saying that, that I feel like that's a perfect story to illustrate non versus anti. And I think that we Ooh. were led by uh, well-intentioned, I guess, but very much non-racist minded people versus those who would activate and mobilize around being anti 
racist. I like the way you put that. And then the conversation got heavy. Yeah. No, it's it's, it's making me think. It's making me, it's, it's putting me back in that space and thinking about it where you just framed it. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, it's, um, it's, I liked your counterbalance earlier. It was, you know, I know you, um, this podcast is kind of like the virtual staff room. So, you know, you have the, the complaining or the this is this and, you know, da, 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 in the staff room. But yeah, it's a very, it's a great job. It was a great role. It was a great, oh, um, God, it was that, that I did. And, and, and I would still consider going back there at some stage. And, and I don't yeah. say that about many places, ABC, trust. But, yeah, places <laughs> I've been to. I really, really don't. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so, uh, and I think it's always going to be a place for where it's located for the community that it will continue to serve. Um, it'll always be a fond, um, place. Um, you know, again, you've done a masterful job of therefore thinking about where we're going next in the conversation, which is just around, um, how you may have navigated taking up space in your identity as black and man in places um, across your career so perhaps this is one of those moments where sometimes one identity has been more pronounced and the other one's been more muted or perhaps they are both always equally entering into the space at the same time together um but just how you've yeah made yourself comfortable in spaces by being black and a man i think um probably I mean, I don't know, but maybe in terms of my upbringing, um, single parent um, family, and my sister is kind of 16 years younger than me. So for, you know, the, the main parts of um, growing up, it was just myself and my mum. And equal balance of, well, in fact, no, three uncles and two aunties. So, you know, there was those male role models and, and male figures in my life growing up, which which I'm so grateful for. Um, but I think in terms of some of the roles I've ended up in and places and, and different spaces, they've been quite female heavy, um, and a lot of time quite quite white female heavy. And um, I think after maybe the first one, I didn't really, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an issue for me. I don't think it was, a, it was for them either. And so I've kind of, I've had no real problem I don't think most of the time navigating through spaces that have been very female heavy where I work now lots of social workers social workers tend to be female and that is certainly the case at the agency where I work at um same with primary schools as I mentioned earlier so I've got no problem um kind of working in those spaces uh in terms of being black and being male again other than maybe some of the things I highlighted <clears throat> to a degree maybe in primary school I don't think it does sound great. It sound, I don't know how it sounds, but I think it worked in my favor, if you like. It was a real positive to have that black role model, male role model in, in the primary school. And I, it was a federation of, of kind of two schools and they had different sites. So I kind of ended up working for different year groups and at different sites. So I got to see um, a lot of different um, types of children and, and obviously work with different professionals. And um, and yeah, I, I, what I what I try to really do is just kind of be kind of be me really, and just and just teach the way I taught and and kind of deliver and support and whatever the way I did it. And I think a lot of it, a lot of the time, was was quite well received. Um, I can't really think of any any times or any instances where it kind of went against me, which I think which I think is a real positive. And I think absolutely it 
you know, I think that's the same <clears throat> in my current role. I think that's the same uh, where I worked in the secondary school as well. So, so yeah, I think, um, you know, I just, I don't know, just try and take people as they come really a lot of the time. And um, yeah, there's times when my masculinity and, um, and my race would maybe kind of cross over, but a lot of the time, not necessarily. Maybe, probably more so in the in the interactions, as in with mm. the directly with some of the students, mm. like on a one to one basis. Maybe with some, you know, some of the parent conversations I've had. Some of them would be by the book or on record, or you know, and some of them would just be kind of like, look, <laughs> we kind of, you know, we this is how you this is how you best get through this. This is how we best kind of get through this together this is kind of the let me kind of give you like the cheat sheet the kind of crib sheet follow this and everything will be good because that's kind of how we have to navigate through this so there's definitely been some of those times absolutely and um and i'm glad that i was there to support those parents and those children in those times because one thing one thing i think was very encouraging at that school the secondary school is that there were so many mentors behavior mentors because it happened in 2009 only years before all the funding that the government put into learning mentors had been pulled so it all came out of the main school funds so to continue on that vein and to have that there as a resource um it was great just to channel it and tweak it to you know more pastoral mentoring which which i got the flexibility to do but um but yeah it was i guess trying to meet those students at, at, the, at whatever their need was is what we tried to address i think did a great job Cleon has a wicked sense of humour too, so that helps, you know. <laughs> we both do. You're worse than me. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I just try to keep up. So Listen, the way, the way that you'd hot up those kids, <laughs> i never forget that, that young lady, you, 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 weren't, you, were, you weren't best pleased with her, let's put it that way. And I remember it was the bottom of the staircase. I was minding my business. So I was just looking to go and do my duty and you're like, Mr. Wilson, hear this. And she, she got like, you know, she got a rollicking number three. And then I had to hear the chapter and verse, and I was just there thinking, right, in my head thinking, right, obviously support my colleague, but at the same time, if it all kicks off in the playground, it's on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at the same time, what you were saying was very entertaining. So I was in all kinds of um, head spaces, and I was just kind of like, what uh, is this guy like? Just tell a girl off and move on. And I, was, I think she had to get it. She had, she had to break it back down to build up again, because she was, I think she said something, she mentioned, was it about something about Twin Towers yeah. or something or another? Some ridiculousness she come out with. But she needed a, a schooling and education and you had to unlearn and relearn. You did it all in about five minutes. But yeah, she needed it. Do you remember it? I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I'll be t- we would tell them off. Yeah. I would explain to them why what they did was foolish and never do it again. So Exactly. 100%. Um, so in the last kind of couple of things then, and this is more of a reflective question about yourself. Um, what role do you think you play um, in the sort of ecosystem of, of <coughs> like racism um, through education, through the roles that you've done, um, through even just through interaction that you've had with different people? Like, how do you see yourself making the case for challenging that which is anti-Black that typically pops up in different spaces? Uh, I guess where I see myself is, I think it's definitely about being an example of a, not just not just of being a black man, but just being a, if you want to call it, you know, a successful or an excellent professional, if you like, 
yeah a, a, a person that isn't just kind of one dimensional and just only comes from one angle or, or can only you know teach in primary school I, I i do see myself as as that kind of all-rounder so i won't really be dictated to in terms of what people think i can and can't do Love that. And, I, and i think i think that in itself hopefully will speak volumes around what people can do what black people can do what you know other minorities or, or other people from that don't look like me can do as well and i think it's about being able to be a representation of that and i think when and again particularly when i was at the primary school and for and i'm hoping that when those when those when those children saw me as either their teacher or another teacher in the next classroom or you know being part of sports day or whatever whatever or just being on regular playground duty and i'm just kind of you know just chopping up with them and laughing and joking they they could see me as not just you know the teacher that taught the subjects or that told them off or that said what do you know what i mean that they would just see that whole rounded picture absolutely and so i think i think it's important to 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 exemplify that and kind of the things you say and do and i think it's also i think i also see myself as probably be more of a person who would educate hopefully educate and maybe just slap the nonsense out of some of the stuff people say or do just just to straight up to tell them call, i guess call it out and uh and and sometimes you just got to call it out and just break it down because unless someone is told or mm. can or is shown what that issue is or what the, that other person's perspective is then they're forever gonna gonna walk around in their ignorance and it's easy to do so it's you know if if you're if you're if you've got white skin and um and you can only ever see reflections of yourself and everything's all good for you pretty much then you don't have to consider other perspectives and the same for me being male versus yeah. what what women go through so i i can un- if i can understand it in that perspective then i can hopefully help someone else to understand it in 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 the other perspective as well Lovely. so then i mean you've done it already throughout and this is just more for concentration of that to kind of finish mm. what um reflections do you have for others like and when i say others you can take it as wide as you want as narrow as mm. you want so perhaps that could be others in in primary education um others who do the like who i think one thing that just really to quickly to say is like you said that you've done so many roles so in terms of consulting yeah. in terms of governorship in terms of looked after children and like there's a whole range of different things that you've done that don't involve being directly all up in the school building and yeah. I think that that is just something that you know we didn't really discuss it too too tough in the in the episode but i think that's also something that's really important to recognize that you don't have to be a teacher to be involved in education yeah. and so i just wonder what the reflections might be f- that you have for others whether it be about the career choices that you've made the specific way that you interact with the education system your identity the friends that you've had whatever the situation might be are there any words of wisdom that you have for others I think for for those that are in school working in school in whatever capacity whether that be primary or secondary I would I would recommend that you take some time to become a governor mm. um and it will take some time and and you're probably thinking you don't have any of that which is fair it's a fair comment that's a fair pushback but it's rewarding enough and you'll get enough from it for it to be a good investment of your time um i would probably advise you not to do it in your own school and mm-hmm. maybe if you're secondary not to do it at secondary you could get a really interesting perspective from the primary or vice versa um but yes 
even if it was a, a year or two, you you spent um, doing some doing some work as a governor. That would I think that would hopefully inform a bit of your practice and certainly open your eyes up to aspects of school life which you just didn't know about. Um, no matter what role you did below, kind of probably head teacher, deputy head teacher, you will learn something and, and see something brand new. And hopefully take stuff, you know, we all like those teachers, particularly like those little takeaways, those little resources we can think, use it and think, oh, I went to that course and, you know, I didn't fall asleep. I got this from it. I'm going to put it into practice kind of, uh, you know, on the next kind of round. So I think being a governor gives you that. Um, out from 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 the outsiders, I don't want to call you such a horrible name, outsider, but those that aren't educators, if you like, that are listening to this podcast and maybe if you stumbled across it, I would probably, I would, I would encourage you to get involved with some aspect of um, whether it be direct teaching or education, mm. it could be uh, youth work, it could be, you know, you just get, a, you just get an amazing insight, an amazing perspective from working with, whether it be children from the year ones, the little year ones I had for a period of time to, you know, the big old A-level uh, six formers and, and, and the ones that are post, the ones that are older than that. Um, you just get you just to sit down with them and just sometimes listen to what, where they're coming from, hear their story. Some of them have been through some mm-hmm. stuff at a very young tender age, and they've come out a lot of the time on top, and they've, and they've come out with with little pearls of wisdom and little things that will teach you, and that will show you a, a different kind of perspective. Um, so yeah, so do that. And if you know if you live in like a leafy, wonderful part of the country, then maybe do come to inner. London and see how we do what we do and um and vice versa you know one one of the most amazing things that I love doing was to take children out on um, residentials and and trips and whatever at the, at the secondary school and also abroad I just loved it okay. because that was the time it's a shame I didn't mention this earlier because I would love to have uh, no, you can still talk about it. I remember you and that other teacher in my department. You two were just thick as thieves. I'm like, who's, who's enjoying this trip more? You want to pity them. You two were just... Oh, definitely us. Definitely us. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But, you know, it's just great because then... Well, first of all, I can switch off the emails because they just did my head in. <laughs> so that was great. Not to have to look at another email for a whole week. And then just to... um, Just to, yeah, just to be your... Just to pretty much be yourself. Um, for that week and just let them see another side to you because sure. when children and young people at that age in school just think you are Mr and Miss whoever they don't see you you know if you if they probably see you out in testers they're like some of them are like whoa what you go to a shop what you do this kind of thing they don't see you as human they see you as something so just being able to see you in a different light sometimes um, yeah I, I built up a really good rapport with some students from the trips that I still speak to now or communicate with via LinkedIn and before that I was kind of they weren't on my detention list they weren't on my little kind of connect list I just didn't really know them them. so that's really nice that because that gave me more of a balance of you know not just a kind of student or b kind of student it was like the whole range and so um I would yeah I would try and make it my business to have times where I would be interacting with the top set, typical top set students who didn't misbehave, who just came in, shirt was done up, did their thing and left. It, yeah, that was great for me as well. Wicked. I want to say thank you. This has been great. This has been like memory lane. Um, yeah. This has been has. great analysis. This has been a great conversation. Um, yeah, and I think, again, speaking from the perspective of a Black man in education, there's just some viewpoints that are different 
that come out in this mm. conversation from having that and thank you for hitting every single mark you're welcome thanks marlon we no did worries. it we got there. <laughs> we got there indeed we got there indeed <laughs>